Welcome to the best of sold-out sports talk with your host, Roman Gabriel III. Up-close conversations with high-impact personalities from the world of sports and entertainment. Follow Roman on Twitter and Facebook at Roman Gabriel 3 Today's show will feature interviews with singer-songwriter Kaylin Roberson and Olympic skeleton racer Katie Ulander. Visit fspn.net for all things faith, family, and sports 365 days a year. And follow Roman on Facebook at the Roman Gabriel III fan page. Now, talking with singer-songwriter Kaylin Roberson, here's Roman Gabriel III. Country pop star and face star. She's got it all going on right now as her, as her career is building. Kaylin Robertson from right here in Raleigh, North Carolina with us. Kaylin, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you, Roman? Well, you know what? you got to have homegrown. we got to take care of our own here. It's great to have you back. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, you've been busy, but uh, it, this sounds like this is going to be a wonderful event. And, of course, we have a – we have a uh, – a friend that uh, we both know very well, and Kathy Cardenas, and she's very excited about this event. Um, St. Jude's Kids Day, August 4th uh, at St. Jude, Memphis uh, is where it is. They have several different different areas and different places for St. Jude's, but this is in Memphis at 11.30 a.m. She's going to perform live for her first uh, time with her new song, Fighter and Me. So tell me about Fighter and Me and about uh, when people can get that as a download and check out your new music. Yeah, so um, I actually had the pleasure to tour the Memphis campus um, with the St. Jude team. And after hearing some of their like miraculous stories about the patients at St. Jude, um, I had a change of heart and I was inspired to write the song, Fighter and Me. Um, that would provide a sense of hope and determination like, to those patients at St. Jude. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to present the song on August 4th at the concert. Um, I will hopefully be able to have CDs by then. Um, we do not have a definitive date yet as to when it will be available for um, download online. But as soon as we get that data, I want to send that out to everybody because all the proceeds from the song are actually going to go directly to St. Jude Hospital. Oh, that's so cool. And and St. Jude's does such an incredible job. Um, if you remember, uh, we've had a couple people on from the St. Jude FedEx Classic golf tournament uh, that happened about a month ago. And of course, oh, yeah, St. Jude yeah, does incredible work um, and really, really is a great place for the parents of those uh those patients, uh, uh, we talked to a gentleman from CBS, who his his uh, son was in there, and uh, it was a situation where they take care of all the needs of the parents, and uh, and so that the kids can get the care, but more importantly, the parents don't have to worry about uh, what it costs and about the money, and they can they can focus on their loved one and on uh, being taken care of as uh, they go through the process of healing for these incredible kids and. So you're going to have an opportunity to be blessed and to, to go to the hospital and to see these kids and to put a smile on their face with this concert on yeah. August 4th at 1130 a.m. And if you want information about it, uh, go to St. Jude, that's S-T-J-U-D-E, that's www.stjude, which stands for St. Jude.org, uh, uh, backslash music. So St. Jude.org backslash music. And then, of course, you can see more information about Kaylin's upcoming Fighter and Me and the other things that she's all up to, which is 
a bunch of stuff at kaylinroberson.com at K-A-Y-L-I-N-R-O-B-E-R-S-O-N. And, of course, she's on Twitter, Facebook, as well as Instagram, always uh, putting it out there. Uh, so here's something really interesting I thought about last time you were on the show, Kaylin. Um, yeah. I've got a good friend, um, Jennifer Wayne, who's with Runaway June. And oh, okay. We met them a, a year ago at the Hall of Fame, uh, NFL Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, and they uh, were asked to sing the national anthem and to do a concert uh, for this for this event every year that honors uh, incoming NFL players to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And at the time, you know they were they were looking for that big break, and that was a great opportunity to get the exposure nationally on something that uh, hundreds of thousands, millions of people watch, but hundreds of thousands come to the event. Um, and a year later, um, last night they were on the CMA Awards or here just recently, uh, getting all sorts of awards and, and, and just booming with, with opportunities and, and, and climbing up that country western ladder. And I wonder, uh, is that your goal? I mean, is, is that what you're looking to do? Because you, you do pop too, but, is, uh, but it seems like the country western atmosphere is tailor made for Christians uh, that love country. Yeah, I'm absolutely trying to go up the country western route, and uh, definitely like Runaway June did. Doing events like that is a good way to get um, some exposure. But you know, that's not all I'm after. You know, I'm also after helping out in the community and using my music uh, for the good things in life. And hopefully, that will get me places. But I hope that it helps other people too on the way. Well, one of the cool things you just talked about, which I love, is is that you go into schools, junior highs and high schools, and tell your incredible story. And if you remember last time she was here, she was mauled by a dog when she was nine years old and had to overcome the emotional and physical trauma of that. And through that, uh, and through the Lord's great grace and blessing, um, gave you the opportunity to use what most people would look at as a tragedy as an opportunity to help others. And that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, since I was 14, um, I was singing to people my age um, all around the country. I've been to Dallas, San Antonio, Las Vegas, um, and even here in Raleigh, uh, touring high schools and middle schools and talking to kids about uh, bullying and how to overcome certain tragedies in their lives. And one of the cool things that, that students love is music, and so... Uh, you know, that's mm-hmm. such a big deal, uh, and it's so accessible, and you've got the smartphones and iPads and smart devices and all the things that kids can access video on. So it's like you're custom-made for these youngsters. Yeah, well, that's the amazing thing about these tours that I go on is that, number one, all of the artists are um, 18 and below in age, and so the kids can easily relate to us. And then we also, because we're using music to spread a message, um, it allows them to connect us really well and really leave there with the message in hand. Kaylin Robertson is with us right here on Sold Out Sports Talk, and she'll be August 4th at 11.30 a.m. at St. Jude's Hospital doing a wonderful concert for the children and families there. Uh, you need to check it out. Go to St. Jude, that's S-T-J-U-D-E dot org, to check out all that information backslash music, or go to Kaylin Robertson on her official website. Check it out. She's got the fighter in me coming out. She's going to introduce that song at the concert. So if you're anywhere nearby, uh, this is a great opportunity for you to meet Kaylin, an opportunity to see her in action uh, and to hear her, her uplifting country western pop brand of music. And 
just a couple of seconds, Kalen. Um, tell, tell, tell very quickly about 10 seconds. Uh, what, what is it that you're trying to accomplish this year goal-wise very quickly? Um, I'm just trying to be able to put my music out there and be able to raise money for, for instance, St. Jude and uh, cancer research. And so through my music, hopefully I'll be able to give the proceeds to those programs. Kaylin Robertson with us on Sold Out Sports Talk on American Family Radio. Kaylin, always a joy to have you in, and we're looking forward to that concert, stjune.org backslash music on 1130 a.m. Memphis at St. Jude's Hospital. It's going to be a great, great event. So music gives, and that's what she's all about, introducing the fighter and me. Kaylin, we look forward to talking to you soon. Have a great time at St. Jude. You're listening to a best-of edition of Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel III. In this segment, Roman talks with Olympic skeleton racer Katie Ulander. Visit fspn.net for all things faith, family, and sports. And follow Roman on Facebook at the Roman Gabriel III fan page. Now, once again, here's Roman Gabriel III. We counted up a a, a amount of uh, times on this program. She would be right up at the top. Of course, when you're an Olympian, you need to be at the top. So coming in with this two-time world champion skeleton driver and uh, getting ready for her fourth Olympics in South Korea, Pyeongchang, with us today, uh, Katie Ulander. Katie, how are you? Great to have you back. Great. How are you doing? Oh, I'm awesome. Awesome. I'm awesome. So we're talking to you. You were telling me before we went on today. You're in Lake Placid, you're in New York, you're getting ready, right? Yeah, I'm at the Olympic Training Center in Lake Placid, New York, the site of the 1980 Games, and I am training. My only focus this time around is the Olympic Games, so I eat, sleep, train, and that's it. I'm going to be the most boring athlete ever (laughs) for the next six months. (laughs) Okay, but the, the real question here, we'll get to all the training stuff, but what color is your hair right now? It's red. Okay, so we're still red. Good. So you're sticking with that all the way? Of course. It's my signature move at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) It's long, though. It's long. I have long hair, and I kind of, it's like an ombre style, so it goes from like dark red to bright, bright red. Well, Um, the good good news is, is not only do you compete hard, but you got serious hair. That's what we all love about you. Of course. (laughs) Well, listen. There's no other way. I mean,. Let's just put it this way, Katie. I mean, if you were a doctor, you'd be coming on like year 50 of, of an Olympia. I mean, this is your fourth one. I mean, your, your your birthday's coming up July 17th. Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. I mean, crazy. You're, you're, did you ever think in the world that you'd be in your 30s going after your fourth Olympics? No, but I don't really think that I anytime I make plans, they never work out. So I think the best things in life come when you don't expect them. Well, the thing I love about you, though, is is that you've you've certainly earned it. And and if if you've forgotten the story, which I which I hope you haven't, Katie and Sochi finished point oh four out of the bronze medal uh, last time around. And I remember we talked to you right after that. Since then, you've gone through some more trials and tribulations with some surgeries on your ankle and on your knee. Uh, in the past, you've had four surgeries of your hip. Um, so the question, you know, we were getting through last year was you getting healthy. So where are we at? Well, I mean, I've won every title you can possibly win in the sport. I've got world champion, world cup champion, national champion, America's cup champion, ICC, you get the point. So my goal this time is 
that one title I don't have, and that's Olympic champion. And everything I've done has been geared towards this one race in Pyeongchang. So I had those two surgeries, and instead of me, like, getting off crutches and bouncing right back into competition, I opted to give myself more time, which hurt my my results or my uh, my numbers in the quad, but there's no doubt that when I step to the line in Pyeongchang in February that I'm going to be 100% healthy for the first time in my career at the Olympic Games. And statistically speaking, I should be a medal contender. I am a medal contender because I've won all the things I could win, and this is the only race I haven't shown up healthy to yet. If I'm alive, I'm going to be up the game. So as long as I got a pulse, <laughs> I'll be there. But I'm not trying to just be there this time. I'm trying to win. Katie Uniter is with us, yeah. uh, Team USA skeleton. And um, for, you know, I've become a hardcore skeleton fan because of you. But for the fans that are listening, you know, that are just tuning in that don't know what skeleton is, Katie, why don't you fill them in? Skeleton is the best thing ever, especially if you like sledding or like water slides because you essentially take a cookie sheet size sled and you jump on it head first and it feels like you're flying it's those thing it's a thing where you start to fear how fast you're going initially and then you stop and you're like i have no brakes so you embrace the fear and it becomes part of you and you end up craving more of it and going with gravity and just absorbing the relaxed chaos around you it's it's pretty amazing so for those people that in their car go 80 miles an hour on the freeway, four feet up, in case, silently, smoothly with four wheels, you're like inches from, you know, the ice going 80 miles an hour with absolutely no brakes, right? No brakes. I can't really see a lot. But you know what's weird is after doing it for 15 years, uh, I feel safer closer to the ground going that fast. <laughs> like anytime I, uh, I like increase my height visibility, it feels really scary, so... Um, vehicles are similar, I would think, but I think the most close feeling I've had or similar feeling is uh, skydiving. The, oh, the only difference is there's more openness. So, like, when you're when you're falling, it feels just like skeleton, except it's, like, more open. So in with skeleton, you're, it's a tunnel. Like, you're in a little icy, uh, which, which is actually safer, believe it or not. Like, I think it's one of the safest sports I've done. <laughs> And you and by the way, you you, you did some cycle. You've done cycling. You've done um, competition weightlifting. But I assume that you got out of the weightlifting because of the injuries, right? Just tough on the on the joints. Yeah, twenty twelve Olympic trials. I competed to for a shot to go to London, and um, I had planned on post Sochi attempting to make Rio, but I found out that I competed with no soft tissue in my hip and a hole in my ankle. So I had hip surgery right after Sochi, followed by ankle surgery, which is why I took time off uh, competing this quad. And then when I came back, I, I did not, I, I told my coaches that I would slide, but I didn't want to race and I didn't want to train or push myself. If I had pain, I was going to sit back because I research recently has shown it takes two years to recover from surgery. A hundred percent. Not saying that you can't compete prior to that, like a year out usually is what they say. But what I've noticed, and I've had 12 surgeries, is that if I give myself that extra year, I'm like for real back, like better than I was before. So that's why this quad, I don't really have uh, too many results on the races because I decided to take a step back and just focus on, on Korea. 
so this is going to be my debut season, basically, coming back from Sochi, and I got a fire under my butt, to tell you what. You know, Katie, one of the things I love about your story and love about so many people's stories, especially in our country, is, um, you know, just rags to riches in terms of what it takes to get to the top and the trials and tribulations that sometimes you have to go through in order to be a champion. And, and you don't have to necessarily win the biggest award to be a champion. And God obviously blessed you with, with athletic abilities. Just tell me from a perseverance standpoint, all you've been through, you get to that fourth one and you're at the top of the hill. What's going to be going through your mind, and what are some of the things you've learned about yourself through this process? Well, one story I continually go back to in my head is one that my father told me early on in my career. I had just made junior world championships, but I'd only been on a sled for three weeks, and I, I didn't think I deserved to go. I was competing with an Olympic champion, America's Cup champion, all these champions, and I'd been on a sled three weeks. I was like, what am I doing here? And he said, let me tell you about the time that I was in Yankee Stadium for the first time Mickey Mantle on the outfield, 60,000 fans, and I couldn't get my legs to stop shaking. He said, I stepped out of the batter's box at least five times. And then I realized that no matter what, the legends before me had to take the same steps I'm taking into the batter's box. And once you're there, nobody cares how you got there. You have one job, to hit the ball. He said, whether it took me two days or 10 years, he said, all of us have the same job in the batter's box, and it's simple. And when he told me that story, I was like, oh, I totally get it, like, it doesn't matter what I'm thinking, all these thoughts, negative, positive. Once I'm on the line and I'm there to compete, I have one job. And none of this other stuff changes that. Like, even all my preparation leading up to it, it doesn't matter because I have one job to do at that moment. And so when I get to Pyeongchang, you know, no matter all the, the nonsense leading up to it, when I get to the line, I'm bringing everything I got. Katie Ulander with us, Team USA, uh, going after her fourth Olympic appearance in the skeleton and, um, Katie, you know, one of the things that, you know, you've done through your career, and it's been a long one, and, and I know I know you're blessed to do it, is you've had an opportunity to, to be around and to influence and be influenced by so many people. Um, tell me about just, you know, as you look back on your experience to this point, just what it's been like to, to be able to, I know, I know being a role model is important to you, so, so tell me about just the satisfaction of that. Well, I've, I had my hero, I was lucky enough to have my hero be my father. Um, and then my best friend, Stephen Holcomb, uh, became Olympic champion. We started out winning together in 06. We called it the dream, dream season, 06, 07. Uh, we won so many races that uh, we didn't even have to compete by the end of the year to, to take the overall title. Um, and they are two people that have pushed me the most and have constantly brought me back to ground zero and understanding that no matter what you accomplish or what your legacy is, it doesn't matter. Like what matters is the moment, like when you step into the batter's box and you're there to hit or you're there to do whatever job you have in front of you. And the thing that I try to remember is to be humble and open so that I can learn from those around me. I think that the best thing you can do uh, is be awesome to inspire others to do the same because that's what my father and my best friend did for me. And, Katie, you know, coming from a team sport, you know, football and and just being around a lot of team athletes, you know, when you have a big disappointment or, or when you work so hard over the summer and then in training camp and then you go through a 16-week NFL season, you get to the playoffs and, and you have a disappointment, and but you know you can get back to working out after about a month, and you only got eight months to wait to get back in uniform. How difficult is it to be an Olympic athlete like you, and 
to know that it's every four years and, and to go through all the things you have to go through to get there for this honor? Well, I don't know if you guys remember the name Dan Jansen. He's I a do. speed skater back in the day, and it took him four Olympics to win his gold. And I talked to him in Sochi after I lost by 400th of a second, and I was like, man, how did you do it? I said, because right now, losing by 400th of a second, I cannot imagine going another four years. And a 400th of a second, to put it in perspective, is faster than you can blink. And I just could not comprehend or fathom, like, I'm going to train so hard for the next four years to potentially have this happen again. And Dan looked at me and he said, you can't think about it like that. Take it one day at a time and do what you need to do to get there. And don't worry about the rest. It will come. And Katie, he told that, me that, his story. That's why we admire you guys, though, because when the Olympics come around, you know, they do the stories on you guys. Everybody gets toned into the Olympics for that for that two-week period. And then it's almost forgotten and you're talking about, I mean, if we were to put this in comparison, like going back to college for four years. I mean, I remember that four years of college to get ready for the draft in professional football. You've done that. This will be your fourth time. So it's amazing how well your body has held up through all the, the, the punishment and the injuries and just your perseverance has been amazing. Well, thank you. I, I don't think I have a choice, though. I mean, if the option is quit or keep on, I'm going to keep on. My father told me, once and I took it as a challenge. He said, do it right or don't do it at all. And he knew quitting was an option. So I only had one choice to keep getting up and try again until I got it right. So he wasn't expecting me to be perfect every time, but he did expect me to keep trying. And I think that's the key message here is that, you know, when you step into the batter's box, you're always going to be up against the odds. I mean, those guys hit one in three, three times that they're at that, but they believe every time they step into the batter's box, they're going to get a hit. And I think that was his point. Um, in the story about him with Mickey Mantle on the outfield and 60,000 fans, is he realized that he just had to believe he could do it and step in there and just go do it, keep it simple, but never give up and, and be open to learning and be humble. And those are the lessons I'm trying to take to heart. And I think now that I'm in my 30s, I'm blessed with the ability to actually come into maturity with those those lessons, whereas when I'm, I was younger – I was easily distracted and overwhelmed, and now I'm just really honed in on who I am and what I want to do. Okay, so here's the question. is it, Regardless of what takes place this time around, is this the last Olympic for you? I don't know. You know, I'm, I thought about it, and then I was like, dude, the Olympics three years from now, I don't see my body taking a big you know, downturn. If I stay healthy and I stay smart, I could go another Olympics. That would be my fifth. And it could be fun, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay open. You know, what if I meet a man and I want to go have babies? I mean, it's possible, <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's definitely that, it's not a priority. I'm just saying that's like the opposite of what I'm doing right now. And <laughs> you never know. Like, I wouldn't have thought that I'd have, I would have had 12 surgeries up to this point and still be an athlete. So hey, I, I, heard, I heard you've been meeting some guys out in New York on the streets just challenge them to race, though, right? Okay, well, yes. But they were trying to flirt with me, and so my response was, do you want to race? <laughs> so they were all, like, doing the construction worker, like, cat call thing, and I was like, you want to race? And then so they, they were they, like, no uh... takers, huh? Sorry, what'd you say? No takers, huh? No, man. They just they just laughed. I was like, yeah, it's funny now, huh? So what, but so... it was fun. I, was, I even offered to give them a head start. They still said no. 
So what kind of response do you get in New York City when you're kicking it? Because do me a favor, guys out there, guys and gals that are listening to the show. Uh, we got Katie Ulander on uh, Olympic skeleton, and uh, she's getting ready for her fourth Olympics in South Korea coming up in 2018. And, uh, you know, one of the things, Katie, that's, that, that, that people just don't get is, uh, you know, you have this flair, and, and and people and people love love your attitude. They love your bright spirit. They love you know the dress up. They love everything that goes along with it. So, what would it mean to you to uh, to medal this time? What 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 would it mean after all this? Well, in Sochi, when I thought I honestly thought that I had won um, because the girl was losing time and her run was so bad, I did not expect to lose by four hundredths of a second. I I honestly tasted the medal as I was watching her come down and then in an instant it was taken away. And prior to that happening, I had everything that went through my mind was just gratitude. I was so thankful for all the support and the fans I had. And I really just couldn't believe it had happened. And I just wanted to give them the thanks. And in my mind, it was America's medal. It wasn't my medal. So when I lost, I felt same gratitude, just sorry for not performing and not bringing that medal home because for an instant I thought I had brought it to all those people that had been there with me on that journey um, so th- that's this time like if I if I win this time it's not my medal it'll be America's medal and all those people cool. that helped me get here and, and never stopped believing in me you've been listening to sold out sports talk with Roman Gabriel the third our podcasts are available at afr.net You can follow Roman on his official website, www.fspn.net, and on Facebook at Roman Gabriel III. We'll catch you next time on Sold Out Sports Talk, your source for faith, family, and sports.